Hey everyone, welcome to the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Bob Peruca, and I'll be your host tonight. And I am sitting in for my good friend and brother, Jason Gallagher. And here at the Apologetics.com radio show, we've been on the air for over 20 years. And Friday night at this midnight hour, we have different guests, and we're talking apologetics and also taking your questions on the air. Now, for me, the study of apologetics continues to be vital to my Christian life and worldview. And Christian believers, as, as we think through the application of biblical principles to everyday life, and tonight we'll be discussing the differences between the biblical view of the human race as individuals made in God's image, that being biblical anthropology, versus the secular view of man, especially as it relates to the current ideas of critical theory, critical social justice, and critical race theory. Now, these ideas are front and center, not only in the media, but they're impacting education from kindergarten to the university, as well as all levels of government and professional careers. And this movement is impacting the church, causing, Vody, as Vody Bauckham says, fault lines of division. And this is a very hot and a very emotionally charged topic, and we want to look at into how we respond as Christians to this challenge from our secular friends. So tonight, in studio, I have my good friend and brother, Michael Roberts. Michael, how are you doing? Bob, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Good to see you again. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about what you've been doing with yourself. You're uh, an elder at a Presbyterian Church in Orange County. Uh, yes, in Laguna Niguel, Grace Church, and yeah. uh, things are going great there. Um, I've been, I just recently sold my business in March. Mm-hmm. So, Congratulations. Uh, yes, uh, thank you. Yeah. It's been great, and so I've been uh, traveling down different paths, doing some consulting, but right. um, just been a good time of just reflecting and um, uh, you know mapping out the next uh, steps for me and my wife's life. Isn't it wonderful to have that freedom? It's been great. It's been great for the last three or four months just to kind of um, decompress, so to speak, mm-hmm. with right. my mind. Yeah, right. Um, I, I was in the senior care business and had a lot of employees, so it's right. been great just to kind of step back for a little bit and. Um, and start thinking other areas, you know. And you've been exploring different parts of the country. Interesting, like Idaho, yeah. uh, Tennessee, yeah. Texas, yeah. and so uh, we've been doing some traveling, absolutely, yeah. and um, kind of looking at some other places, maybe down the road to yeah. see uh, if we want to land one of those places. But yeah, it's been good, just me and my wife, and so I've really been enjoying it. And. Part of uh, being a Christian and on the move is to find a uh, church that's compatible with the, the, the per- particular theology that you ascribe to. So that's, that's really, it's interesting as Christians, uh, when we think about moving, yeah. we're thinking about, okay, where am I going to land and how far am I going to have to drive to a church that, that, yeah. that I'm really going to connect with and, yeah. and, and, and be able to have fellowship with and, and be fed with and contribute to. And that's what you're on the search for as well. Absolutely, Bob. And I think uh, part of that is actually um, at least – me and my wife have taken um, the path of find a church first mm. and then look about relocating to that place. Interesting. And yeah. So, Interesting. so we know that, um, you know, just the, the rhythm of our life is the Lord's day Interesting. with God's people uh, sitting uh, in church under uh, the proclamation of the word, mm-hmm. partaking of the means of grace through prayer and the Lord's mm-hmm. supper. Um, right. And, um, and we know that's where uh, God is mm-hmm. walking among his people yes. on his day mm-hmm. by his spirit as his words proclaimed, and that's where we're strengthened and built up. You know, mm-hmm. that's what the, 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 the Puritans used to call that, the Reformers, the ordinary means of grace, right. the preached word, and the, the, the elements mm-hmm. build us up in our most holy faith. So. 
And that is why church, I, I think, is so important, you know, to, to be a part of the body of Christ and to participate and to, uh, to give and to receive the fellowship mm-hmm. and the prayer and the, and the care and the love and, and having that uh, microcosmic mm-hmm. uh, center of, of gravity that, that can radiate out in a small way to the, to the bigger way rather than having, uh, you know, the government or something kind of telling us what to do. But that's, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting off here. That's, that's, another, that's another conversation. Yeah. We could but, be here for a couple of hours. Oh, my goodness, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about hot topics. But, yeah. you know, uh, talking about the image of God and, uh, and who man is and biblical anthropology, one of my uh, go-to apologists is Francis Schaeffer. And there was a description of Francis Schaeffer that his humble dependence on the Lord his deep awareness of his own inadequacies and the compassion he demonstrated as he listened to people and answered them were the most important aspects of his ministry and of his example in being an imitator of Christ. And so this is a man who wrote 20 books, Mm -hmm. uh, but he was just a a very, during the 60s and 70s, when there was just a lot going on, he was just such a compassionate force. And and one of the the things he emphasized was uh, the fact that we need to study culture and that we're attempting to uh, address the culture, and we need to understand it so we understand the language, the concerns, and the basic ideas that dominate that zeitgeist mm-hmm. or the spirit of the age. And as image bearers of God, that identity is key to understanding who we are and who God is. Yeah, I mean, that's where, uh, as believers, uh, we need to always uh, be tethered back to Genesis, right? Mm-hmm. That's where we start. We start with uh, uh, a healthy, robust understanding of as we approach God's word of who God is and who we are. Mm. And that creator creature distinction um, should always be forefront in our mind um, as we view everything that Mm. God is God. He's the self-contained triune God, infinite, eternal, immutable, unchanging, true and living. And we are his image bearers um, created after his image. Um, and um, as Mark Twain said, never the twain shall meet. Uh, there will be no crossover. He's right. always God and we will always be creatures. Right. Um, but praise God in Christ. He has condescended to come in covenant with us mm-hmm. and, um, and to draw men, women, and children from the four corners of the earth throughout mm-hmm. all of history unto himself. All the nations. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting. I've been uh, reading the book of Acts recently, and there's a uh, commentary by F.F. F. Bruce that I've been, that's helping me uh, uh, dig deeper into it. And, you know, the Apostle Paul was actually the original apologist, I mean, because he adjusted his approach to different audiences. And, for instance, when he was dealing with the Jews who had the hope of the coming Messiah as part of their understanding of what the Old Testament pointed to, Paul would speak of God the Father sending his son Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, to earth as a suffering servant, the Lamb of God, who paid the price on the cross for his elect, as set forth in Scripture and God's special revelation. So to Jews, Paul could emphasize special revelation, but when he's talking to the pagans of Iconium in Acts 14, he adjusted his message to start with the concept of the one true God Mm -hmm. addressing the pagans need to see the God of general revelation, uh, the creator and sustainer of the universe. And so as this applies today, we're attempting to understand in the same way uh, the current culture to speak to that culture. We attempt to understand where these ideas of, of critical social justice, critical theory, and critical race theory stem from in order to understand these worldviews. Yeah, these... Um you know, we are, I believe, when I say we, I mean the church, right? And not only, um, uh, 
you know, here in America, but it seems to be kind of worldwide right now, seems to be under assault in so many areas, right? Um, and we saw what happened last year um, in Minneapolis that seemed to be the launching off point mm. of, um, of some of these philosophies, right, mm. that we're getting now that are Main Street um, to all of us that are being promulgated by, I would say, the, the media and the elites in this country, mm. right? Mm. Um, when it comes to CRT or critical race theory, um, you know, as we know, it falls under the umbrella of critical theory, mm-hmm. um, which I believe sometime in the mid seventies, it was created by some lawyers. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's kind of worked its way out through a few different, uh, uh, people in academia and, and mm-hmm. again, the lawyers, um, all through the universities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of found its way down to, uh, trickle down to main street now, but this is something, this is a, a, a a theory, it's a philosophy, um, it's a worldview mm-hmm. um, that is at the doorstep now of the church. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, we've seen over the last year, um, good and godly men um, from, you know, capitulate mm-hmm. to, as you called it, Bob, the zeitgeist, the voice of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so we, we need to be, as believers, um, always sober-minded, um, watchmen on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, men of valor, right, mm-hmm. um, and men that will always stand, um, stand up for God and His Word, and um, and as a real anchor for our soul, because exactly. um, we need to also, um, as ministers of the gospel, protect mm-hmm. um, as well as guide and, and govern the church, but protect them from false teaching. Right. So let's uh, let's take a moment to define. Yeah. Critical theory, critical race theory, critical social justice, they're, they're all interrelated terms. And uh, um, the origins of theory or critical uh, theory, it's, it's like you said, it's a worldview. And it, it basically states that everything relevant in terms of social relations has to do with power dynamics in, in society between some group that's in power and another group that's oppressed. So the object of critical theory is to say that groups that have power, they bake systems of oppression and advantage into place without even realizing that they're doing it. So the critical theorist's job is to identify and expose these assumptions and systems of oppression and advantage so they can be analyzed and then deconstructed. Mm -hmm. So the Marxist sense that you have the capitalist holding power over the working class, which is oppressed, and that's the idea. Now, critical... Critical theory grew up out of the mindset of the Social Research Institute set up in Frankfurt, Germany. Mm-hmm. And um, basically the idea that even liberalism, they say, uh, 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 they bake in assumptions of the, of the creators of the culture. So white, straight, Western men have intentionally and unintentionally cooked up systems of power to benefit themselves mm-hmm. and to oppress others not in power. So power is a zero-sum game in this worldview. And uh, the goal is to equitize things and make Western civilization some kind of ideal democracy and some kind of utopia. And Christianity is seen as part of this systematic oppression Mm -hmm. of women, homosexuals, minorities, et cetera. And so um, it's so interesting because, as you said, it it seems to be um, coming into the church. And who wouldn't want social justice? That, that, who do, who yeah. who doesn't who as a Christian doesn't want um, uh, there not to be racism in my heart? Right. You know, I ask God to create in me a clean heart, 
you know, search my heart, yeah. create me a clean heart. Yeah. And so we, that's, that's a very attractive idea, social justice and, 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 and anti-racism. But I think the problem is the foundations of it are not laid correctly. It's, it's, it's based, based on a, a house of sand. Right, that's right, Bob. And, you know, what, what as, um, uh, you know, those that want to change culture in a sense from a, um, a perspective that's not a biblical perspective, mm-hmm. um, as we've seen throughout Western culture, um, again, we, we know that this really goes back to Hegel and Marx, right, mm-hmm. in its, um, in its uh, first fruits. Um, and then it's worked its way through through culture and all the admirations that you're talking about. Um, but I, I agree. It's, it, it sounds it sounds wonderful, and it sounds it is right. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Book of James tells us about the sin of partiality. Right? Mm-hmm. We don't want we as believers um, uh, racism to hate our neighbor mm-hmm. um, or despise him or wish him or her ill mm-hmm. based on just strictly the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, is a sin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as we've already talked about, we are male and female created in the image of God, mm-hmm. right? So that's mankind, male and female. Um, we come from the human race mm-hmm. as image bearers of the triune God. So um, any anything outside of that that would seek to um, want to destroy or hurt or get over on or or you know covet or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, kill, murder, lust after. Mm-hmm. As the Ten Commandments tell us, is sin. Mm-hmm. So, as believers, absolutely, that is sin, and we, we would we would condemn it uh, in our own hearts and those of our brothers and sisters in the church as need to going to Christ mm-hmm. um, in order to um, not only seek forgiveness for that, um, but also transform and change our heart in that for sure. But my my fear in what's going on here is um, a lot of these words. Um, their meaning has been sucked out, mm-hmm. right? And they've mm-hmm. been reinflated mm-hmm. with with definitions mm-hmm. um, to describe these things um, that uh, are only self seeking of those mm-hmm. that want to promote this theory. I believe. Right. Right. Um, so that's why I, you know that's what I'm saying as Christians, we got to be on guard and we got to mm-hmm. we got to know what we believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I believe as we move forward, um, we have the message of life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We have the one that came. To um, to actually uh, pay for that so-called justice mm-hmm. that these people, uh, those that promote this worldview, mm-hmm. desire so much, mm-hmm. um, and obviously that's Christ, mm-hmm. and and we have the hope of eternal life that we can share with it, those. Absolutely, and it's interesting that. Um, from a Christian perspective, and Francis Schaeffer also made a big deal about this, he emphasized this, that there is true moral objective guilt. Mm-hmm. We as humans are truly morally objectively guilty. It's not a, just a subjective feeling of guilt where I feel like I've done something wrong. We know that we're all in the, made in the image of God, and we do have the conscience, and that conscience can be scarred if we continue to sin our conscience doesn't become tender anymore. We have to keep our conscience tender through prayer and through uh, uh, reading of the Word and, mm-hmm. and, and, and good works, mm-hmm. which, which just uh, sanct- continues to sanctify us. We're not, we're not um, saved by our works, but good works is a reflection of our honoring God and, and, a, and a natural outpouring of our, of our spirit. But uh, we, we recognize that there's, that there's uh, serious issues with history, and you know, we we, we want truth, mm-hmm. we want objective truth. And I'm sorry, I, I lost my train of thought here. But the we are objectively guilty, mm-hmm. and as you said, um, the 
critical race theory doesn't base their 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 ideology on 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 a biblical worldview, and therefore there is really no objective guilt. Yeah, uh, objective guilt really doesn't exist. Um, it's more of a subjective aspect, and that gets into also critical race theory being a postmodern ideology, where again there is no objective truth. Objective truth is really, and knowledge is really based on the people in power, and they're the ones giving out the knowledge. So, really, knowledge is a subjective uh, phenomenon, and and that that makes it um, really different to get your get your hands around it and and understand it. I mean, it's like a it's like just sand running through your hands if you don't have objective truth to hold on to. Yeah, it's uh, actually an unlivable life. Yes, really, exactly. it really yes. is unlivable. Um, because and and again, th- these words have been redefined. It's a it's a it's a worldview that's a, a sinking sand, um, shifting of shadows. Um, but it's really interesting as believers. Um, th- I think that's always the, where we have to get back to, is that all of us, like you said, Bob. I mean, we all have um, before God in Adam. When you're in Adam, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we are before God. All have moral guilt. So um, all of us need to come before the bar of perfection and stand before a just and holy God. And as we know as believers, we would say that the only thing that's going to, that makes us righteous before this God um, is the book of Job said, how can a man be right before God? Um, the only thing is by the, the merits of the active and passive obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life, fulfilled all the righteous requirements that God demanded. And then uh, passively um, satisfied our guilt and our shame on the cross, mm-hmm. um, and then again rose from the grave and sits at the right hand of the Father as uh, the glorified, our glorified High Priest and Mediator. But that is what man needs. We man does not need. Um, uh, I think ultimately, I'm talking about ultimately, mm-hmm. man does not need. Uh, again, when I say man, mankind, men and women, mm-hmm. they need. Um, perfect righteousness. They need that. They need to have um, the debt that they owe against a just and holy God paid for. Mm-hmm. That the real justice was carried out by God. He meted out justice, and that was in the per- 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 uh, person of His Son. So that even if if all if we talked earlier, even if all of um, all these institutions that that this worldview seeks to want to tear down and destroy and and um, and kind of recreate. Even if that was the case, um, that still would not atone for the real moral guilt that everybody needs to look in the mirror and say, it's me. Mm-hmm. I'm the one mm-hmm. before a just and holy God. Mm-hmm. And that is the message that believers have. That's the gospel. Absolutely. That we can bring before this world that's just fraught with brokenness and pain and suffering. Well said. Hey, we have a caller. His name is David. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to put you on the air. David, how are you, my friend? Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for calling in. You have Bob and Mike here. Hi, David. Hi, Bob and Mike. Well, I had a, I'm not familiar too much with this critical race theory or um, some of its uh, different aspects, but I had a thought about it as you were talking, and so... My question is basically, um, like with any worldview that doesn't believe in objective truth, mm-hmm. when they espouse, like, let's say that power is oppressing, you're saying, you know, uh, minorities or 
different groups or whatever, who's to say that if there's no objective truth that that's wrong? I mean, what makes the knowledge that they have superior to the knowledge that we have, and therefore they can say what you're doing is wrong if there's no objective truth? Who sets the standard? Well, that's a great question, David. In fact, didn't uh, Greg Bonson uh, write a book on uh, by, by who's by what <laughs> standard? standard? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. So, exactly, yeah, that's a great point. If there is no objective truth, I guess their there's their assumption is there are some people that stand outside of the subjective truth and that do have the objective truth and that can tell us what the objective truth is, but there is no truth. So you just go round and round. I, I agree a hundred percent. That's you just simply can't answer that, Mike. No, I, and I agree, Dave, and that's, you, you're, you're right on again. Also, um, if there is no God and, and there is no standard by which he has um, laid down or set for us for a rule of life as his creatures, um, then quite honestly, I mean, if we're just, if we're just stardust or we came out of a, a pond um, as an amoeba or a cell, um, then, then who cares if I'm a racist? Who cares? Yeah. I mean, it, there, there has to be – it makes no difference if there is no God mm-hmm. that will one day um, judge the hearts and minds of men. Mm-hmm. Um, but with every thought, word, deed, and motive mm-hmm. um, by which they had um, in this life, uh, then it, it, eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow yeah, you die. Exactly. But see, we don't live that way. Mm-hmm. None of us do. Even those that espouse this, it's an unlivable worldview and no one – they truly – I'm not sure. I don't want to – you know, overstated. No one, there probably are people that do, but for the most part, none of societies, we, we, we generally don't conduct our, ourselves like that mm-hmm. in society. Mm-hmm. Right. So we don't conduct ourselves as if there is no objective truth. C- correct. We, I mean, no. we, we see it all the time when even, I mean, non-believers let, you know, open the door for people. They let people in on the freeway. Right. They think of someone other than themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, they do, because of common grace, mm-hmm. non-believers do good things all the time because mm-hmm. of common grace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but but it, it, because there is a God, mm-hmm. as we see in Genesis, mm-hmm. and He's created us in His image, mm-hmm. right? Well, it would seem to me that if you did espouse that theory, then you could say, well, you know, might makes right. Who's ever mm-hmm. strong yes. enough to control the to control power? then deserves it, or the golden rule really is, is whoever has the gold makes the rules. So, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you could argue that if you're only arguing subjective truth. But mm-hmm. if you bring morality in, then you have to have a standard bearer, mm-hmm. it seems to me. Mm-hmm. No, you're- no, you're absolutely right, David. In fact, Francis Schaeffer, again, um, the guy I, I really, really admire, uh, the apologist and evangelist I really admire, he had a he had a series of how then shall we live and he makes that point throughout that uh throughout that series that uh, power um is becomes arbitrary and like you said it's whoever has the, the 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 biggest stick the most guns and the most power uh will um rule and we look, we look at the 20th century <laughs> and uh you know <laughs> yeah. so um absolutely 100% um agree with you there uh-huh and, and Bob Davis, exactly. I was just going to say that too. We, uh, mankind is littered with examples of mm-hmm. just that thinking right there. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We all rise up and condemn those men that have had that mindset, correct? Yes. History has condemed right. them. Yes. So, yes. Right. yep. 
Well, thank you for uh, interacting with me. All right, thanks, Absolutely. David. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Great question. Have a good night. Well thank done. you, David. Yep. Yeah, so uh, he brings up a great point, and that's a fundamental point mm-hmm. about, uh, like I said, about objective truth. It's, it's you can't live as if something isn't true, objectively true. Right. So, hundred yeah. percent. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, we are coming to uh, uh, the close of our first half hour of the show, and and uh, we've been talking about critical race theory and. Maybe we'll take a little more time to define it um, next uh, segment because it is something that's out there. As I said, it's it's becoming part of the uh, education curriculum mm-hmm. in California. It's becoming part of the education of uh, people in corporations. Uh, President Trump uh, um, uh, had a had a. Um, some kind of a, 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 a what, what am I a law he passed that basically said hey we we we're gonna uh, n- we're gonna ban critical race theory right. from uh, training from government employees so it's out there and uh, we need to definitely be aware of it and as I said Vody Bakum uh, wrote a great book on it called Fault Lines and it's uh, really the the theme is that there are that this fault line in the church and you really have to decide which side of the fault line you're on mm. um, are you going to base your uh, your your life and your worldview on scripture, or are you going to base it on a secular worldview that's really based in uh, neo-Marxist ideology? Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, yes, exactly. So uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're we're talking again about critical race theory and um, and its impact on our lives and our culture and its impact on the church. So uh, we're going to close out this. Uh, half hour. Uh, this is Bob Peruca and Mike Roberts, my, my good friend and brother. We're talking through these issues on the apologetics.com radio show. We'll see you on the other side. The mission of apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com. I'm not usually one to give prescriptions, but here's one that I can easily guarantee. Hi, I'm Chuck Swindoll. If you should choose to meditate, really concentrate on God's grace, it will transform your life. You will not be the same. Your attitudes will change from negative to positive. Your relationships with people will change from suspicious and intolerant to affirming and even understanding. I'm prepared to say today that your feelings toward the Lord himself will be changed. You'll begin to enjoy the Lord as some of you have never enjoyed Him in your entire Christian life. Meditating on Grace.
pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. This is John MacArthur. Please join me for today's Portraits of Grace. When you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you became a new creation and your life began to center on Him rather than yourself. The Holy Spirit began to transform your attitudes and your actions. As a result, you started pursuing God's glory instead of worldly pleasures. But I must admonish you, just as Paul did to the Corinthians, test yourselves to see if you're really in the faith. Examine yourselves. Don't ever be deluded about your relationship with Christ. Did those changes really take place? Do you now have a living hope? Are you fixed on a glorious eternal inheritance? Has your life changed? Be sure your faith is real. That's the most important issue of all. This is John MacArthur encouraging you to live as portraits of grace. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Bob Peruca. I'm your host for this hour, and I am joined by my good friend and brother, Mike Roberts. How are you doing, Mike? Doing well, Bob. Thank you. It's great enjoying, to have you. Enjoying my time here. Good deal. Yeah. Uh, we've known each other for quite a while. Yes. We started out in a church down in Orange County. Probably, that's where I came to faith, probably 17 years ago, yeah, something like 2003 that. 2003, maybe? Yeah, exactly, yeah yeah, right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were we were catechized there and then and, and moved on. But yeah. uh, mm-hmm. we've stayed, uh, we stayed in touch. And uh, Mike is a guest, uh, intermittent guest on the show, and we'd love to have him. Tonight, we are talking about several things, and one of them is uh, this idea of of critical social justice. And um, we've seen these this movement ever since uh, 2017 it was started. Um, and it really has its roots back, way back in uh, actually, actually the 30s and the 40s with the Frankfurt School with several scholars there that were uh, neo-Marxist in their ideology. And uh, some, of the, uh, some of the academia picked it up in the 80s and 90s, basically the idea that uh, critical theory sees Social reality is broken, and it seeks through uh, what you would call problematizing everything to correct what is broken. And it wants to identify problems in society to equitize society and to revolutionize it. Actually, it's not about reform. It's really about revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, critical theory denies the idea of objective truth, and knowledge is only reflective of the values and priorities of the people in charge. It's completely subjective, and that's where we get the uh, the ideas of white privilege and white guilt, and so many of the uh, some of the shows and the social media uh, and the podcasts are, are are about center around this. And we've also got the influence of it in uh, the schools. Uh, we've got it um, people being tested and and catechized in the government. Um, and so it's really a, a force out there that are, we really uh, need to look at. And we've also been talking about its influence really uh, in the church mm-hmm. and how the idea that um, social justice is a really attractive idea. Um, anti-racism is attractive, we, we, but we don't believe in social justice with a capital S and a capital J. We believe in social justice, but we don't believe it as the as the end all it should be a part of one's uh, life and worldview so that's what we're talking about tonight and um joined by mike and mike's uh, doing a great job of helping me unpack 
the idea of uh, the biblical life and worldview mm-hmm. and its foundations versus the idea of critical theory and critical race theory and critical social justice. So, Mike, uh, go ahead and elaborate on what we've been talking about here in terms of man made in the image of God mm-hmm. versus man as a secular being um, kind of on his own in the universe. Yeah, Bob, when, you know, uh, no sooner uh, we see in Genesis 2-7 that God uh, created man out of the dust of the ground, um, did he uh, place him in the garden, him and Eve, as he made, took Eve from his rib and made Eve, made him a helpmate, um, and male and female were made in the image of God. Did he place him in the garden and entered into covenant with him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, our confession tells us that um, that the God... Uh, in chapter 7 of the Westminster Confession of Faith says that man, as based on being a creature, owes God um, obedience. He would never know of him as his blessedness and reward unless God condescended um, to come down to him and enter into covenant with him. So um, no sooner did, did God do that, did he enter into covenant with him and, um, and uh, gave him, as you said, Bob, uh, uh, full reign throughout the garden, mm-hmm. right? Um, gave him specifically, could eat any of the trees of the garden except mm-hmm. the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And um, God wanted to know, uh, would Adam and Eve obey God for God's sake, mm-hmm. right? That he is God, that he's the creator, they're the creature. Would, would they obey? And as we know, um, the rest of the story, they didn't um, plunge mankind as you were opening up in the second half here with the problems we see in the world, the brokenness, the mm-hmm. the pain, the suffering. There's no doubt we would never. We're not, you know, we're not Pollyanna. We don't put our our head in the clouds and, and say, "Oh, this doesn't exist," or that mm-hmm. that there hasn't been. Um, are there pockets even in this? Yeah, of this country, we've experienced it of racism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but is this? Uh, uh, what does it do to right? It's three letter. It's sin. Sin has entered into every aspect of mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the reformers and the Puritans talked about uh, not only the original sin, but the, the total depravity of man. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean the man's completely depraved in every sense of his being? No. It just means from his faculties, right, his mind, mm-hmm. will, and emotions mm-hmm. is tainted with sin. And what is sin? Sin is a nonconformity to God's word. His law for life for us. Mm-hmm. It's not, and it's a transgression of it as well. So it's not conforming to it positively, mm-hmm. but it's also transgressing it negatively. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that has entered into mankind, into the world of mankind. As a result, we have these divisions. We have all the brokenness that we see in the darkness in this mm-hmm. world. But, but this, that is not what God created man for. Right. right? He created men and women, mankind, to have fellowship with him mm-hmm. in a covenant um, by which we would know him as our blessedness and reward. And we would find not only all of our dependence in him, but all of our desire. Mm-hmm. Um, now, praise God, we know that, that Christ has come and he has ushered in um, what was lost in Adam and Eve. And um, as believers, as Christians, we would say all those that enter into, um, by faith, um, into that covenant, into with union with Christ by faith, um, it can be restored to having that fellowship with, with God. Um, but but all we see, the division we see as a result of sin has been played out throughout human history. And you've mm-hmm. had, as we talked about, Bob, we've had men that, that have taken that and have um, systematized it mm-hmm. throughout history for evil, 
mm-hmm. right? And you talk about the Frankfurt School, right? Mm-hmm. Gramsci, right? Mm-hmm. Gramsci, Antonio Gramsci, the Italian, mm-hmm. but their long march through the institutions, mm-hmm. right? It was their stated goal. I mean, these were Marxists, right? They said, mm-hmm. we will just take the long road and we will go through their institutions and we will fundamentally change Western culture. And it's interesting that this, this kind of this um, very obscure um, kind of outlier mental uh, worldview that started in this little corner with these five or six different scholars, this one school in Frankfurt yeah. um, has, has permeated like leaven yeah. little by little, the culture. And, yeah. and this is where we end up if we don't have the biblical life and worldview, if we're not anchored in the objective truth of God's special revelation and general revelation yeah. and acknowledge that, we end up in, in, a, in a situation where we see people that we call it, they call it identity politics, and it's basically the idea that, that people are defined by layers of identity markers. That mm. would be the color of your skin. That mm. would be the color of my skin. It would be my socioeconomic status. It would be my gender. It would be uh, my sexual preferences. I'm, from that perspective, that's what makes me me mm. and identifies me. And in the Christian life and worldview as image bearers of God made in the likeness of God as his image bearers, that's a totally different concept than being than being uh, identified by my my my, my these, these layers of, of of skin color. Right. And and so for myself, I'm thinking as a Christian, I guess I am biased, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I'm going now. I look at these two, and I, what's a more unified view of human nature? Is it is it is it the Christian life and worldview that everybody's deserves respect and value and dignity by virtue of the fact that you're made in the image of God, or is it that somebody's value is determined by their skin color mm. and their gender and their sexual preference and their socioeconomic status? I mean, what has more depth? What has more dimension? And what can be more of a of a of, of lend to human flourishing, which 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 perspective? Right, it's completely so reductionistic to uh, just one uh, to narrow, uh, you know, reduce it all down to one aspect, mm-hmm. right, of behavior or you know, pigment in my skin mm-hmm. of finding worth or value, dignity, like you're saying, Bob. Um, it's very, it's actually demeaning, um, and it's um, it's it's about as unloving, I think, as you can get mm-hmm. um, to not. Uh, to just re- reduce somebody's identity or their worth just to that because those things can be changed, right? And then, you know, again, we're back to the shifting of shadows. We're back to the, the sinking sand, right? Mm-hmm. But if we anchor ourselves as believers, you know, and this is, this is you know, my exhortation as a, you know, as an elder in, in, in a local church, but, you know, um, uh, as believers in this day and age, um, as Christians that we we tether ourselves and anchor ourselves. And as the psalmist said, I'm going to hide your word, God, in my heart that I might not sin Mm -hmm. against you. We need to be, we, I believe always, um, because of what God's done for us and given us in Christ and what he's given us in his word, we just, we need to be biblical in our thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. And we need to understand that, that what you just said, Bob is not the case. Um, we are image bearers, creating image of God. We have value and worth based on that, mm-hmm. right? That's why we fundamentally believe, right, that the seriatim killing of an image bearer in the womb mm-hmm. is sin, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's we would say that's murder. 
Those are image bearers. They mm-hmm. have value, dignity, and mm-hmm. worth. They're not cells, just mm-hmm. lumps of skin and cells mm-hmm. and whatever. Mm-hmm. That is an, an image bearer. That's a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same way, um, that's what we believe with, with our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, the, the, the guy next to me that lives in my neighborhood, wherever, the, my colleague, whoever the case may be, the guy at the gym, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it, none of that other, the, the, their gender or their sexuality or their socioeconomic status or the color of their skin, mm-hmm. you know, um, should not be in any way, shape or form as believer, um, the, the delineating factor right. of how I'm going to treat this person. Right. And if there is racism in my heart, God, God, yeah. God, create me a clean heart. Absolutely. Renew a right spirit within me, please. Absolutely. You know, we need, we need to pray about that. And so, you know, we've been talking about now this, this kind of this uh, infiltration of critical theory in the church and this, this, uh, this focus on social justice in the church. And we've had, there have been several pastors who have actually, um, uh, pretty prominent pastors that have, that have come out and, um, mm-hmm. Really bowed the knee, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's uh, I don't know it's uh, I I know that they're grieved in their heart about the pain and the suffering that we all see. And George Floyd's death was an absolute horrific mm-hmm. tragedy, as was Tony Tempest, the white man's uh, who who also died uh, in in uh, in Texas because of uh, police. Uh, malfeasance. Sure. So I mean, both. Right. Well, and we, we unfortunately we didn't hear about Tony Tempa. No. We heard about George Floyd, but they're both. They're, it's both. They're both bad. They're both horrific. Sure. Both are made in the image of God. Period. End of story. And that's where the unifying the unifying ideology of of, of Christianity comes in, and, and and biblical life and worldview as both are image bearers of Christ. So I'd, I'd ask you, Mike. Now, you know. So we we see this. We see this kind of uh, this this threat on the horizon and actually I was listening to John MacArthur at the break and and I love I love Pastor MacArthur and in his teaching and uh, he made a statement that to the effect that he sees critical race theory as the most um, significant threat to the church in his lifetime mm-hmm. that's a pretty bold statement mm-hmm. so so based on when somebody like that says something uh, somebody who a reformed pastor who you love and respect um, we need to take notice so how do we um, – so my question is, how do we charitably um, talk to our friends that are um, maybe don't really know about the, the roots of, of the ideology, you know, where its, where its, where its roots are, and, and how do we help to lovingly redirect or have a dialogue yeah. with them about that? I mean, there's stuff there's, – there's things that we need to learn as well sure. from, from, from these folks. I mean, you know, how, how do we charitably um, – you know, use, we use we use care and charity in our language. We season our language with salt. Mm-hmm. Um, we we come from a place of love, yeah. um, and and just be be very uh, be very careful about it. Maybe thinking thinking about throwing around the terms. Uh, maybe we really don't focus, of course, on the person, but the idea. You know that that it's not the person that we're attacking. We're we're, we're looking at ideas and we're arguing back and forth about ideas and yeah. not. Not not people and their value. Yeah, I think yeah, Bob. I think you know the Apostle Paul tells us that in Corinthians, right? We we uh, we tear down those strongholds mm-hmm. in thought, 
by which people hold on to, right? They build right. this high tower and they climb up in it and, and then they want to claim victory. But the, the, Paul's saying, you know, no, we bring the word of, of God to bear in their mm-hmm. lives. So all those things you just, you just mentioned, I think are, are very helpful. You know, we want to be, um, Peter, you talked about, right? We want to give an answer for the hope that lies within with gentleness mm-hmm. and respect, mm-hmm. have our speech be seasoned with salt. Um, and, and we are trying to, especially within the church, right? And then as it works its way out, but um, we're, you know, it, unity. How often do we see in God's word about the unity of the church, mm-hmm. right? We need to be unified in these things. And mm-hmm. Paul, even in his prayers and to Ephesians and 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 all that, is he prayed that you would be a one mind, right? You'd be mm-hmm. all become to a mature man. So mm-hmm. with our brothers and sisters that, that maybe are on the fence or, or leaning towards one way, and haven't studied it, I think, you know, there is that where we can, um, we can, uh, come alongside them. And like you said, give the history, um, explain these things, always also pointing back to scripture. And that's why I was just saying earlier for as believers, us having a full orbed, um, I believe understanding of God's word and every, not only systematic, but a redemptive historical Mm -hmm. understanding of, of, of the word of God, um, is going to give us um, our starting point by which we can engage our brothers and sisters. And then those outside the church, you know, the, the aim is obviously not to get in a shouting match. Mm, Never, mm-hmm, right? And, right? And cause more division and strife. Right. Um, right. You know, it, it, would be, it would be wonderful that those opportunities that God gives us, mm-hmm. right? Because, um, you know, we, we don't – we can't reach everybody. Right. But we – God has given each one of us as believers um, a sphere of influence. I believe, mm-hmm. and we all go about our day, and um, and God brings people into our lives that we can engage them, mm-hmm. um, and and um, and bring to bear the the word of God in their life, and and ultimately, like I said, it's uh, I, I pray that we are pointing people to Christ mm-hmm. as the one yes. that has actually paid for this justice that mm-hmm. they are so seeking, because at the end of the day, again. They, their justice needs to be served, right? And if if we've all sinned against a just and holy God, um, He will. There is justice that needs to be paid. Now, if you're in Christ, He has paid that. Mm-hmm. If you are not in Christ, if you are still in your sins in Adam, um, th- th- there needs there will be justice mm-hmm. because we those that have not bowed the knee to Christ are still in their trespasses and sins and have sinned against a just and holy God. Mm-hmm. So um, that should always be um, is to, is not to win an argument, mm-hmm. to point people to Christ um, and then and come alongside where, where we have the ability and teach into, right, and educate. Um, and um, by God's grace, right, mm-hmm. we don't know, you know, right then and there what, what impact that's having. Mm-hmm. Um, but eternity will, will 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 show us absolutely. And you know, um, I, I, to your point, um, Neil Neil uh, Shinvi has a has a has a really good uh, quote on this in terms of addressing uh, the folks that are um, attracted to the social justice movement. Um, we need to recognize that the local church is a witness to God's kingdom. In a world saturated with evil and divided by enmity, it's no wonder that critical theories, promises of justice and inclusion are attractive. Mm-hmm. We get it. Yeah. When a church, church though, demonstrates true neighbor love and fellowship, 
across lines of race, across lines of class, across lines of gender, and it undermines the idea that critical theory is the only path to human flourishing, and it gives credibility to the charge that critical theory fails to deliver on its promises, that, 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 that the church and faith in Christ, true faith in Christ, and a sanctified life can deliver on his promises. Yeah. Critical race theory really can't. It's going to come up short. Right. Because it's an it's a system of at its core, Bob, of unbelief. Mm-hmm. And all and Roman Paul tells us in Romans one, right? All systems of unbelief are ultimately worshiping the creature and not the creator. Right. And that's what he tells us. So um that's why as we opened up our show, just always in the forefront of our mind is that creator creature distinction and um and we will uh god the bible tells us clearly you know he uh, created obviously within the span of six days but he created the invisible heavens then he created the visible heavens with the, you know, the earth uh, he created the realms and then the rulers in a span of six days and then he sat down in his glory chamber in the invisible heavens which is the new heavens and new earth by which all believers will enter into um at that day when he ushers in the consummation of the ages, right? Mm-hmm. But until then, we live in a present evil age, as the writers of Scripture tell us. The church, we are pilgrim people, sojourners, marching towards um, uh, as uh, uh, Beulah land, right? Mm-hmm. As uh, Bunyan tells us, um, we are marching towards the new heavens and new earth as a pilgrim people, as sojourners. And I think um, as as we as we keep our our eyes on the one who has called us and redeemed us um, by himself, to himself, from himself. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a life that as we bring that to bear in our neighbor's life, um, we pray that it's that aroma of Christ mm-hmm. is what we leave them with, mm-hmm. right? Pointing unto him. And we're not to be pharisaical, pointing obviously to ourselves about our own righteousness, but right. and yet, but yet, our light, God willing, yeah. even though we are sinners in need of grace every second, our light will shine somehow, some way. Yeah. People will see a difference in our lives. We will be leading sanctified lives. We will be stumbling. God forbid that we don't humble ourselves as well on 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 our journey as we walk this walk yeah. of, of 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 our lives. So the. You know, I, I struggle sometimes with humility, you know, in myself and, and in terms of, of, of talking about, you know, uh, uh, wanting, wanting to be right or whatever. And, uh, hey, you know, if, if you're married, you, you, you know that, you know, as, <laughs> as a man. I mean, we, we, we struggle with this as guys, uh-huh. you know. And uh, uh-huh. just just ask my wife, you know? <laughs> and I and she lovingly reminds me. That's, that's a good thing. I thank I thank God for that. You know, yeah. uh, keeping keeping me humble, keeping me in check. Well, uh, what's that book? Uh, Humility and how I attained it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Absolutely, absolutely. That's another. That's another whole uh, whole whole show we can talk about. Um, again, I want to I want to kind of circle back as we as we're kind of uh, rounding rounding the the bend on this. Uh, on the show tonight the the image of god that we're that we're uh that we are made in we are made in god's image i'd like to unpack that a little bit and especially as francis schaefer unpacked it in his writings um he talked about he talked about the fact that um we we that we have a high there's a there's an emphasis on re- rationality we're rational beings mm-hmm. moral beings 
and we're relational beings. God is an infinite personal God, mm-hmm. infinite and personal mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And he is rational. We are rational. He's in fellowship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit makes us relational beings. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are to reflect the attributes of that, of, of our Creator, in terms of our morality, our rationality, our creativity, and love of goodness, truth, and beauty, which are objective standards. Mm-hmm. They're not subjective. Mm-hmm. Truth, goodness, and beauty are objective, eternal um, eternalities. Mm-hmm. So those are all part of what make us human in terms of being made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were, uh, I think Paul tells us too, what what was lost what was created with Adam and even the fall was, and the confessions talk about this, was uh, knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. And then Paul tells us in Ephesians, in Christ, that what was lost, that, that true righteousness before God, the knowledge of him, right, mm-hmm. um, in that face-to-face communion, and then the holiness of being made as an image bearer was gained in Christ again. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. As, as Adam was given dominion, as you said, Bob, to keep and tend the garden, right? It's interesting that, that that Hebrew word shamar is the same word that speaks of the priest in the temple. Mm. They were to guard the temple from anything unholy slithering in, mm. just as Adam was to guard the Edenic temple of anything slithering in. Um, so when the serpent came in, Adam should have uh, went to uh, the tree of life and then crushed the head of Satan under his foot. Paul tells us in Romans 16 that Christ did that. Mm-hmm. The son, that soon that Christ will crush Satan's head underneath your feet, mm-hmm. uh, his head under your feet. So um, there is that real sense that as image bearers, man was exactly made in the image of God and righteousness, holiness, and, and knowledge uh, regained. Uh, he was given dominion to, to tend and care for the garden. And then really man's goal was one of estate advancement. He was to advance into... Um, a face-to-face relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and if man would have passed the test in the garden, um, that's where he would have, he would have went out from the garden, created image bearers, mm-hmm. right? They would have multiplied. Mm-hmm. That would have been God worshipers. Mm-hmm. They would have multiplied on the earth. And at some point, earth would have been heavenized, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We all know the story. Christ came and ushered that in of which we as believers know that that's what we are going towards. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting that, that, um, that, that God, um, as the, you know, for lack of the archetype, right. Mm-hmm. Of which we are what the, you know, scholars call the ectype. Mm-hmm. Um, we are the, the, that image bearer of him, but we were created for that. Um, and this is what Genesis tells us, right? We will, he will be our God. We will be his people. Mm-hmm. And we have that face to what we see now, by faith, mm-hmm. dimly, as through a mirror, Paul says, mm-hmm. we will see face to face. With mm-hmm. our eyes, we will see God. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's our hope. And that's what, um, that's what was in prospect for Adam before the fall. So it's always been about God condescending mm-hmm. as uh, to have that fellowship with us, that communion and union with us um, that he went to such great lengths to restore in Christ. Mm-hmm. But um, it, 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 for all of our brothers and sisters out there, as we know, I mean, being in, in Christ is the greatest gift mm. 
that a man, woman, or child could ever be given. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 our zeal um, to want to uh, exp- you know tell others about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to always remember that's who we're talking with: image bearers, yeah, creating the image yes. of God yes. with value, dignity, and worth. Yes, every person, absolutely, and. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about the book of Revelation. It says that every uh, 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 every tribe, tongue, and nation mm-hmm. is represented. Mm-hmm. In the church is made up of all different people yeah, from all different languages, tribes, and nations. Amen, brother. And that is yeah. a great yeah. note to end on. Michael Roberts, thank you very much for joining me tonight with this conversation. We hope you've all enjoyed it. Join us next week on the Apologetics.com radio show. This is Bob Peruka signing off. Have a great weekend.